0: Raise the Jolly Roger with a slick double play. And oh, what a stop, Hayes! There's one! Oh, zip zap kazoo! The Buckles just turned two! Ground ball, left side, picked. Oh, Castillo, a pretty play on the first, and a double play! In between hop and now throwing toward third base, a pick by Hayes! Oh, my goodness, what a play! Key Brian Hayes and Michael Chavis turn it into a double play.
1: Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the 412 Double Play Podcast. I am your host, Michael Castregano. Back with me again, healthier, feeling better, I hope, this week. My co-host, Ed Wassel, and our guest this week, the infamous Graves. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
2: Guys, I am doing great. I'm excited to be here, and uh, it's been a long season. We've got a long, exciting off season right before us, and uh, let's just go uh, talk some Bucks baseball.
1: I'm excited to talk Bucks baseball. I'm already feeling like nostalgic for the season and, and sad that it's over, especially with the pirates dropping that video, recapping the highlights of the season. Uh, first order of business, the news of former pirates pitcher knuckleballer, Tim Wakefield passing away this morning due to complications from brain cancer. While he's obviously going to be more remembered for his 17 seasons with the Red Sox. Wake had two spectacular starts in the 1992 NLCS Pitching complete games in both for critical wins. Great man for both baseball and in the community. He won the MLB Roberto Clemente Award for service to the community in 2010. Um, our thoughts are obviously with the Wakefield family. Graves, I don't know. Ed and I were were too young, and I, I don't want to make assumptions here, but um, your ties to the 1992 NLCS, do you remember any of like Wakefield pitching back then?
2: I um I do um so I I am quite a bit older than than both of you I believe so I was well uh well around for the 1992 uh playoffs um so uh yeah I do I remember Wakefield very well um great person sorry to see him see him uh leave when he did uh you know and, and just devastated to hear this news about his passing you know it, we kind of heard that Rumors about it uh, a few days ago, and and uh, where it was kind of kind of leaked out, and uh, so I didn't know it was going to happen so quickly. So I think I'm, I'm really just kind of shocked by all of that, and and it's terrible for him, for his family, and and uh, his loved ones, and and just uh, wish them all the best as uh, they're going to be dealing with life without Tim Wakefield. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's really an unfortunate situation. Just, just an awful disease and, and cancer overall. We certainly all know someone who has been touched by it, but uh, he was just like a banner player person for MLB. So we're really um, and,
2: thinking you know, of oh, his family. Absolutely, and only what fifty-seven years old. You know, you don't you don't think yep. of somebody that young uh, going through something like that. So. Uh, but, yeah, great, great memories of Wakefield. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back. I mean, just that's something that the Pirates have always been able to have is just that that dominant closer, it seems like. And he was certainly, you know, one of those in, in our bullpen back then that uh, that helped us get to the playoffs.
1: Yeah, well, he had the two complete games in the NLCS and 1992. And uh, Bob Walk was on post-game show with uh, Dan Zangrilli today, um, the fan, and mentioned that if they had been able to win Game 7, you know, we're not going to talk about what happened in it, but if they been able to win Game 7 of the NLCS that year, Wakefield almost assuredly would have gotten the MVP because his appearances in in Game 3 and Game 6 were just so clutch in helping the Pirates stay in that series. So, um, but let's move on to lighter news. Pirates officially announced the return of Pirates Fest after a four year hiatus on Saturday. So it's going back to the convention center, David L. Lawrence Convention Center, January 6, 2024. Details to come, but immediate reaction. Ed, you and I were texting about it after we got the news. Yeah, I mean, I'm just
0: excited. Your wife has never more- been to one. Yeah, she was all on board. She said, you guys better go. But I've never been able to go to one. I don't think you have. Uh, no. I'm not even that, exactly sure how it works, but.
1: Yeah, Pir- Pirates, Grace, you to Pirates Fest before? is something. In the, the
2: I know. I, 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 ne- I, I never have uh, been to a Pirates Fest. Um, I'm excited that it's back. I mean, you know, uh the last few, four years when they haven't had it I mean there's been a lot of uh, upset and uh, disgruntled fans understandably I mean uh, from what I understand it's a great way to meet the players get some autographs and and uh, you know just have a great time so I mean just thinking of the timing I mean what could be more perfect we we're, we're uh, we've just, you know, seen the improvements of this year and heading into next year. There's been a lot of talk of uh, a lot of excitement. And and I think the timing couldn't be any better to get it uh, to bring Pirates Fest back.
1: Definitely seems like we're trending in the right direction at the very least. So I'm excited for going out there. Hopefully going to be seeing and meeting a lot of other people who I've gotten to interact with on social media and maybe not get to see in person, but we'll be able to uh roster roundup i'll just quickly go through these last week of the season alika williams option for nikki gonzalez and luis ortiz option for cody bolton pretty much just stabilized the bullpen graves i know how you feel about bolton um do looking at the move with alika williams and what he did or i guess really didn't do in the last month or two months of the season now he's successful in Indianapolis. I think he had like a three forty batting average, something like that. Was hitting for average, was hitting for power. None of that showed up in the major leagues. Is there a future for Elicia Williams on this roster?
2: I I don't see one. I mean, you know, he could be used as as depth. That you know, they, he's got options. They can stash him at AAA if if something happens to somebody else. But I I really don't see a fit. For him, um, you know, he was another one that uh, uh, that Charrington has really liked um, and, and wanted to bring in. Um, I certainly don't uh, think it was a, it was a bad move, you know, a bad trade uh, to, to acquire him. Uh, there was some potential. But I think we've got players that are even even though second base isn't necessarily uh, settled. I think uh, we've got some better options in the middle of the field than worrying about Alika Williams. I think in
1: retrospect, the trade looks worse, just because the old adage, never trade with the Rays. They turned Stevenson, Robert Stevenson, into like a shutdown closer. Um, but hindsight, twenty twenty, not much you can do about it at this point. No,
2: and you know, it w- we had a need at that time.
1: Uh, and your thoughts on. Yep. Go
2: ahead. No, I was just going to say we, we had a need at that time for middle infield. You know, obviously Cruz was out. Nobody was really stepping up to, uh to, to take the role at second base or at shortstop. So, um, you know, he, he didn't, it didn't pan out, but he was still serviceable. And, uh, you know the the biggest thing here towards the end, um, you know, so many people wanted him him sent down for for Nick, which was obviously what eventually did happen. But um, in the meantime, Nick got to play every day in AAA. Um, his bat took off, and uh, they got him back up here. Uh, you know, for some for for some extra time.
1: Yep. Ed, your thoughts on maybe some players that weren't called up, like Kenon Smith and Jigba. We saw him obviously starting the season out of spring training, was really hot, and kind of rode the pine coming out of Bradenton, um, being a, a fourth outfielder, not getting too many appearances, went down, came back up for a little bit, also didn't really get starts. Were you surprised that CSN didn't make a return to Pittsburgh in this last week?
2: Yeah, I was
0: a little bit surprised. I, I don't think they handled him properly in the beginning of the season. Like, he, they never really gave him a true shot out there. And he never, in his brief appearance, never got anything going. So, it is a little surprising he didn't get a late-season call-up. But it, it was going to be tough to find room for him out there with Davis coming back from injury. Yeah, uh, J.P., So there really wasn't a reason to call him up.
1: Yeah, and we'll talk about the outfield congestion in a little bit, but let's pivot into the weekly recap for the last time in the season. Final week of the year on the road in Philly. Opportunities really to win all three games. Mitch Keller and his but hit his funny bone follow through for pitch in the sixth inning. Gives up solo home run to Brandon Marsh. Another run off a of sack fly. Got some offense off solo shots by Reynolds and Davis, but 10th inning goes runner scored for the Phillies. And we lose three to two. Game two, five run lead after three innings before Johan Oviedo implodes, allowing six runs in five innings. The team ends up losing seven-six. Manages salvage the series Thursday. Luis Ortiz gives up the four-shotting again on the field for five innings of work. Rodriolo two RBI doubles in the game. Bryce Harper ejected on a odd check swing of sorts. But, you know, Angel Hernandez. And the Bucks win 3-2. we got these two series, and we don't have any more games left. We'll take a, a second there and talk through that series. Because it felt to me that not that the pirates were trying to lose games, but that they were like browbean if you will. Uh Graves, did you feel like there was less um fire behind them? You know? I, I
2: did I did get that sense and I thought, you know, two people that I saw it most from was like Brian Williams or R- Brian Reynolds and, 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 um, uh, Piguero. Um, they just, and, and, and Indy, to some extent, they just, they, they looked run down and, uh, they look, they look tired. Understandably it's been a long season. Um, but I think that's part of the, you know, the growth and the, and still the learning that they have to do, you know, proper nutrition, proper conditioning, um, We've got to, you know, I don't want to be in this situation next year where Brian Reynolds is tired on October first. You know, We've, hopefully we're going to have a lot of playoffs um, next year and, and in the coming years. So it's it's um it's kind of a learning curve, and uh, part of, part of the process of of being successful at this level. And uh, but I did see some players tired, and and uh, um, you know we hope we hope uh, it will improve next year.
1: Yeah, and I felt like fatigue continued into this weekend, back home on Friday, facing the Marlins, another playoff contender at the time, certainly made the playoff since then. Friday, against the Fish, Osvaldo Guido, Hunter Stratton, Kyle Nicholas, Ryan Barucki, combined for 7.1 scoreless innings, five hits, one walk, and six strikeouts. A 3-0, but Colin Selby came in for some walk, four hits, and four runs to score. For the Pirates ended up losing 4 3. Saturday night, Marlins bullpen game. Priester gave up a lot of hits, a lot of hard contact, but mostly kept it contained. Two runs in the first five innings, but he came back out for the sixth, allowed two base runners before being pulled for Dowry Moretta. Both men with the score team got 12 hits, but also struck out 14 times in a 7 3 loss. Final game kind of felt like both teams were just ready for the regular season to end for different reasons. this through seven before the Bucks broke out in the eighth inning. Doubles by Connor Joe, Miguel Andujar, Jack Sawinski led to three runs, which Bednar held down with a shutdown final frame of the 2023 season. Um, so at least they managed to end it on a high note, getting the the win there. Overall kind of felt like they could have done better against the Marlins. The upside is that both the Reds and the Cubs did not make the postseason, which is funny because two weeks ago, Ed said, as we were heading to face the Cubs and Reds, these series will knock both of them out of the playoff contention. So, Ed, is it better for us to win games or for our opponents to miss out? At this stage in the season? (laughs) Probably. Considering playoffs aren't an option (laughs) for us. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: It's okay it's okay to lose these last couple of games.
1: It it doesn't significantly impact our draft lottery chances to win or lose at this I think it's like 3 Ethan Hoolihan posted the percentages earlier. It's like 3% or something like that of us winning the draft lottery. Um some good stuff from this past week month Mitch Keller breaks franchise single season strikeouts record by a right handed pitcher, 210 Ks. AJ Burnett even tweeted at him, Congratulations. Key Brian Hayes in August and September, triple slash of 304, 339, 544, an 883 OPS, 15 doubles, 10 home runs, 31 runs, 31 RBI, and a WRC plus of 132. Seems like he'll get that gold glove, which for some reason is dependent on offense. But then we've got some highs and lows of the bullpen. So, Bednar, Majinski, Barucki, and Moretta in September. This is September numbers only. I didn't include the data from today. 41.2 innings, 41 strikeouts, 24 hits, 11 walks, five total earned runs over that time for a 1.09 ERA. And on the other hand, Kyle Nicholas, Colin Selby, Colin Holderman, who obviously injuries, and Jose Hernandez, 33.2 innings, 23 walks, 34 strikeouts, 39 earned runs for a 10.57 ERA. So, Graves, we've got some players who are in the bullpen who are kind of the the fat that needs to be cut, if you will, and some of those names may be among those last four that I, I mentioned. Do you see the bullpen as a strength, a weakness, or something in between as it stands right now?
2: That's a tough question. I I, I thought it would be. Um, uh stronger going into this season. Um and I think it still can be. I think next year we are we're gonna see more maybe um you know the failed starters moving to the pen, that type of thing. Um so I I, I don't know that they're necessarily going to go out and address the bullpen um, for the 2024 season. But as of right now um I think we've got a pretty solid foundation um, with with the with the guys that you mentioned. You know, Majinsky and and uh, and Holderman, uh, uh, Bednar. Uh, so I, I I think they're they're here to stay for for a long time, and um, that's a solid foundation. We just got to get some long men in there and uh, kind of solidify it a little bit more, strengthen it up. But uh, I think we're in a in a good position. Heading into next year with the, you know, with the with a few tweaks, Uh, I I always say uh, the bullpen is uh, is finicky. You know, one year, you know, David Bednar obviously ended up with 39 saves. Who knows what next year is going to bring? You know, it's they're and so often you see somebody struggle in the next year they're great. So it's it's um it's it's tough to say. I think we're in a good position though.
1: Yep. yep, Bednar finishes Bednar. with 39 saves, tied with um, who was it, Camilo Duval of the Giants for most in the National League. Second behind only Emmanuel Clase of the Cleveland Guardians, who I think had 43 or something like that for the most in all of baseball. Um, Ed, what are your thoughts on the standing of the bullpen and the need to improve or, I guess, just solidify? Because there's certainly some pieces that they could add. There's some guys who, like Graves mentioned, uh, Majinski and Nicholas have already moved from starters to uh, long relief roles. And besides the first couple start uh, outings for Nicholas, he's looked better in, in more recent outings. Majinski's transition, I think, has done better. Um, what are your thoughts on the bullpen at large heading into the offseason? Is this still something that needs to be addressed?
0: I mean, I agree with Pretty much everything that Graves had just said. Uh, the back end of the bullpen, to me, is pretty dang solid between Bajinski Holderman, and Bednar. I mean, that 7-8-9 should be fairly shut down. Um, as far as your September numbers that you just gave, I think they're a little bit askew. Because we we played that whole month with, what, three starters? So that bullpen, yeah, way really fat. way overused. So yeah. I'm not too concerned with some of those numbers. Obviously, they're inflated, but I think probably only two or three missing pieces in there. Definitely need another lefty, but other
1: than that, I'm not too concerned with the bullpen. Yeah, I think that there's a number of free agents and uh, Ben Charrington on his weekly radio pre-game show on um, Sundays mentioned that they're going to be using all avenues possible, including trades, including dealing away prospects. It's the first time he's explicitly stated that they will be dealing prospects, which they have a decent load of. One of the things that I want to talk about is their middle infield congestion and how exactly they may address that. Uh, Names like, If O'Neill Cruz is going to come back and is able to continue playing shortstop, that his left ankle isn't going to cause any issues with mobility there. You pencil him in. Second base could be Piguero, could be Gonzalez, could be Triolo. There's going to be uh, options like G1 Bay if they continue bumping him between outfield, infield, or if he even has a position long-term on the team. Options in the minors, because Tremar Johnson's eventually going to squeeze in there. Dario Lopez, if he comes back healthy, he could be contending for that. Uh, Shung Shi Chang, he'll likely get added to the 40-man this offseason. So, Graves, I'll go to you first on this. How do they address the middle infield congestion? Do they just trade a bunch of those for one guy? Do they just start kind of passing them off or... Uh, relief pitchers or do they let them fight it out in spring training or some other option?
2: Yeah, it's uh second base was, was uh, certainly a uh, situation that I'd hope we would have a more uh, firmer gris- gr- grasp on um, at the end of 2023. But like you said, we've, we've got uh, four or five guys, six guys still in the mix and nobody has really stepped up. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you could pack package a couple of them, uh, you know, package them with some relief. You know, do 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 whatever to get to get somebody in here. I'm certainly not against it. Um, you know, I, I I was excited to to read Charrington's comments uh, prior to today's game and and say you know all, all avenues are you know basically on the table. So they're 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 going to be looking at, at different ways to to fill the holes that they need and and. and I, I, I'm not uh, so much of a prospect hugger. So uh, if, uh, if they need to trade some people, then, then go for it. So um, I, I wanna win.
1: Looking for a healthy snack that is high in protein and actually tastes good? Check out Built Bars and Built Puffs. With new flavors dropping all the time, these bars are packed with protein while tasting like chocolate bars. From brownie batter to cookies and cream, salted caramel, and my favorite, Cookie Dough Chung. These are a delicious and protein packed meal alternative for every member of the family. Order on built.com and use code Janelle10 for 10% off. That's J E N E L L E, the number 10, for 10% off your next built order today. Yeah, it definitely looks like the target in 2024 is taking a bigger jump. They improved this season by 14 games from last year, going from 62 wins to 76. If they make that same jump next year, 90 wins will certainly put them in wild card contention if we have similar trajectory of this year. Um, today, recording on October 1st, the 10-year anniversary of the wild card game, uh, getting to see the footage again of the Russell Martin home run. I myself was not at the game. I wasn't able to get to the park until uh, game three of the NLDS. But it's just fun to see that and, and remember the atmosphere and, and getting to watch that game live at the time and realize that we might not be so far away from getting October baseball and meaningful games back into Pittsburgh. Ed, what are your feelings as this team is potentially on the verge of contending a pretty, you know, still inconsistent and, and fairly weak division in the NL Central despite having to borderline playoff teams that just missed the cut for the wild card uh, underperforming cardinals there's a not impossible shot that if the pirates make the correct acquisitions this offseason they could be in contention for the division but what are your thoughts on how they look going into the offseason for that <sighs>
0: My, my concern is the Cardinals are not going to be bad for probably past this season. This was a really weird season for the Cardinals. Milwaukee's still Milwaukee. So it's not going to be as easy as maybe you're making it seem.
1: I'm but, not saying it's going to be easy.
0: No, but with, with a couple of, bringing in a couple of new players, preferably first baseman and another starter. Uh, it's definitely possible to see the Pirates in the postseason next year. I mean, it's, they're not far off.
1: And, yeah. And one, once they get to the postseason, it's really, I mean, crap shoot. Go ahead, Graves.
2: No, I didn't mean to interrupt, but what one thing to keep in mind too with Milwaukee, Craig Council hasn't been extended yet. He may be gone so i don't know who maybe they would bring in oliver marmol with the with the cardinals um he just does not seem to be the answer but they seem to be wanting to keep him too so um i think there's uh, definitely a chance that we could we can get in there next year and 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 see what happens um you know the 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 cubs are kind of kind of tricky i think they played better this year than than many had expected certainly me and and uh um uh, you know the 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 Reds are rising too, so we've got to we've got to stay up with the competition, and uh, we can't fall back any farther than what than what we have. So we we've got to make uh, very important deals and and moves this uh, this offseason to stay with to stay up with everybody else.
1: That's definitely the hope. I think unless the Brewers get swept by the Diamondbacks in the uh, Wild Card series, that council likely is going to be brought back. They did not expect to win the division. They certainly thought it was going to be competitive with the Cardinals. And they had it at hand for at least the past month and a half, I'd say. I'd have to go back and look. But, um, yeah, it is possible that Council doesn't come back. Ollie Marmel, I I agree. I mean, the Cardinals, if they fix their pitching issue, they're right back in it. And they certainly have the money for it. The Cubs have the money to... uh, pick up some other players. Uh, I don't know if Bellinger ends up going back there or if they go and add a few more pieces. And then the Reds just have a, a bunch of young, talented players who are going to have the growing pains of any, you know, young, uh, low payroll team. So it's, it's certainly not a guarantee, even if we go out and get the kinds of players that we want to get that we're gonna, going to end up in October next season. But I think that should be the expectations going into this offseason. So, I do want to talk about a couple of different players. So, Graves, we're going to start with Jared Triolo, and I'm going to kick it to you first. He's had a hot streak since he's been called back up on the season. He's got a WRC plus of 120, on base percentage of 390. If he qualified, make him tops on the team, ahead of even Andrew McCutcheon, who's at like 378, I believe, 1.8 war, plus defense, plays in a bunch of different positions. Where, one, is the bat legit, considering he's come back and is hitting for power? He's had a couple home runs, a lot of doubles. And two, If where does he play long-term?
2: I tell you, Jared has really impressed me this year. I I think back to spring training and I saw this big, tall, lanky guy playing between shortstop and third base. And I'm like, who is that? You know, I didn't, I didn't recognize him. I had never really seen him before. And they're like, Oh, that's Triolo. And I, I couldn't believe it, but man, that that, the young man has really been impressive. He's going to be 26 going into next season. Um, So he's certainly not, you know, old he's in a good a good age um to 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 take off and you know the since they they adjusted his his batting stance he's more standing more upright now um where he's showing more power you can't deny the the glove his glove work it's just impressive wherever they put him he uh it's like he has a magnet in, in in his glove and is just attracting that ball everywhere um as far as where he plays long-term, I like his flexibility. I I don't want to necessarily lock him into first base because, again, we don't know who's going to play second base. He's very good at second base. He can play third base. He can play short. He can play all over. And and I, I'm not too eager to lose that flexibility. Now, that said... I want him to continue to work at first base. I think he looks really natural over there. He's looked really good. His footwork has looked great. Um, I don't want to put that on a back burner. I want him to continue to learn that position, but I think they need to bring in a veteran first baseman and let Jared learn over the next next season and then maybe eventually move into a first base role full-time.
1: Every position, he's only had uh, three total errors, all of them at third base. He's, I mean, out of average, have all been. Then, uh, doesn't quite have the instincts. Key's on a different planet with that stuff, yeah. I, I I agree that Triolo might end up being like a a Jay Hay type player, but with better defense and possibly even a better bat. I just worry that because of his versatility, he's not going to get the kind of regular playing time that would maybe merit the talent that he's showing. Um, Ed, I don't know if you remember where we had Triolo. I don't think he was quite top 10. He was at least top 20 for our prospect rankings preseason but where do you see him fitting with the team? I I kind of see him
0: as that, like, super utility player currently. I mean, it's great to have someone that can give every position in the infield a day off throughout the week and not have to worry about having, you know, a defensive liability filling in for him. And I'd I'd love to see his back continue to progress and potentially end up as – the the solid first base option.
1: It would definitely be interesting if it works out that way. He's got a a frame for, for it. Looking at some other players who not sure how they fit going forward. Josh Palacios certainly had his moments. Miguel Andujar, he had a moment even today after looking dreadful his first couple at bats. Both have had varying levels of success and spurts. But Anduhar defensively he can kind of play corner outfield. That's not really saying too much. If you look at the advanced metrics, it's it's not like it's he's pretty below average out there. Uh Palacios is super clutch off the bench and maybe that's the role for him. But you start kind of logging bench spots to these guys? Do you see, I'm going to go with Ed first. Do you see either or both of these guys on this 26-man roster come March 28th next year?
0: That's tough for me. For one, I mean, I'd probably speak for everyone here that we all hope Kutch comes back next year to sit in for that DH role. If for some reason he doesn't, I would like to I wouldn't mind having Andrew Har there to start the year. Palacios, like you said, I feel like he's a good bench player, but I don't know if he's necessarily worth keeping one of or taking up one of those roster spots. So I'm very up in the air on both of those players right now.
1: Graves, do you feel one way or the other for Miggy and yeah. JP?
2: Yeah, P- Palacios, I'll, I'll take him first. I mean, he does have the the flair for the dramatic and, and the energy that he brings. I think that was necessary at the time when he was caught up and he was kind of energizing the entire team, carrying them per se and keep, keeping everything light. So I think he, he played his role very well. Um, I'm not that impressed with with his glove work in the outfield so I don't see him as a as a number four. I see him maybe as a six or seven <laughs> you know on the depth chart for outfield um he has an option he could certainly start in, in AAA um and, and, and play there um as far as as uh, well I, and I'll say this too about about Palacios he's more of a bench guy. Um, he seems to do better coming off the bench late in the game and, and jacking a home run. So that kind of seems to be where he, he's at in my mind. I love the guy, um, but I, I, I don't see him on this team. And Duhar, you know, and like, like Ed said, you know, still the, the uncertainty about Kutch. I, I, I feel 100% he's going to come back. He's going to be fine. But Achilles are tricky you never know what might happen, you know, when he's rehabbing and, you know, he's getting older. So he, he may be saying all the right things, but his body, it's going to depend on what his body tells him. You know, if he doesn't feel that he can play up to his potential, then he's not going to come back. But that said, I feel that he will 100% be back. And that basically means and does not have a role because we don't need two DHS. Um, I wanted to see Andy Hor up here after the Kutch injury simply because of, of a what if. if. What if Kutch couldn't come back? Um, but they really haven't given him that much playing time. And um, so it kind of makes me think, well, maybe he's not really in the plans at all. Maybe, uh, you know, they DFA him. He clears waivers. Maybe they sign him to a minor league deal to come back and stay with the organization. That might be his best hope. But uh, I don't I don't see a, a future um, with anduhar you know not 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 on the forty man. Yeah, I'll say
1: every time that he's at the plate and Neil Walker is in the broadcast booth, he mentions how the best way to get anduhar out is throw the ball right down the middle, because the ball was like three feet inside and about to hit his ankle, and he fouls it off down like into the uh, down the third baseline or it'll be down on the ground and almost bouncing and he's swinging at it and sometimes he gets a piece of it and sometimes he doesn't. Uh, 29 games this season he has a 7% walk rate 14% strikeout rate and he ended up with an OPS of 778 which is not terrible it's technically like WRC plus 105, not bad compared to Palacios, actually, really much worse. He's got an 82 WRC plus. His uh, OPS is like seven, not even 700. I think it's like 692. He's got that clutch gene. So if you need a left handed hitter off the bench, I I agree. It's really going to depend on what they look at and what they're able to pick up in in the off season. I think a bigger issue and where I'm going to pivot to next is the rotation. As I'd said earlier, we really had two or three guys in the rotation this month. Quinn Priester has shown flashes of being really solid. He added a sinker this past week and in his two starts, he was showing that that was able to be really effective because he can't miss bats with his fastball. Uh, and because the fastball doesn't miss bats, the curveball, which needs a playoff that isn't able to be effective. When he's able to use the sinker, it's it's showing a little bit more. Maybe he can come in and be a four-five on this team. You've got Mitch Keller, who's right now looking like the ace. Johan Oviedo, who, you know, he's he's shown some flashes of being really great. Ed what are your thoughts on the rotation and exactly how the team needs to address them, whether it's going to be like supplementing and using internal options like Jared Jones and Paul Skeens next year, or get some, like, is it, is it going to be a plug and play situation or are they going to try to bring in another veteran or two, but someone more long-term?
0: I definitely think they're in a, bring at least one veteran in, more than likely two. Going to uh, gonna need the veteran lefty, in my opinion. Not sure what the options are going to be. That might, that might have to be done by a trade. Uh, it'll be interesting to see Jones up next year. Skeens, I think, probably won't be until maybe the All-Star break, somewhere in there. But at least for the first couple months, going to have to bring in one of the one or two of the the veteran pitchers. Other than that, there's going to be, you know, internal. Yeah, definitely to se- Get called up throughout the year.
1: Yeah, it definitely seems like they do have some depth, and whether they're going to have Osvaldo Vito, Andre Jackson. And- as backup options, you definitely want them to go out and get somebody in free agency or trade because that has been uh, discussed. Graves, is there anyone specifically, either in free agency or trade, that you think that they should target for the rotation?
2: I mean, I'm 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 dreaming big here. I mean, I I love would love like a Montgomery. I would I wouldn't even be to uh, go after um, um, Blake Snell. You know. Um, You got Dewey Robinson who knows him from Tampa Bay, you know, you know, why, you know, he would be the best guy to, to know, okay, let's, yeah, leave him there. Don't touch him, touch, you know, go after him, you know, get get his perspective on, on, on what to do. Um, But I think we need somebody with playoff experience in the starting rotation. That's kind of, and I think we need a lefty and we need a righty. Um, with at least one of them having playoff experience, I, I think back to when the Cubs brought in John Lester, um, I think it, I think he was brought in in 14 and then of course they won it in 16. Um, I think having that experience in the clubhouse is very important. I'm looking, you know, for them to sign somebody to a two or three year deal, um, and you know another name that I that I keep hearing is 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 Vince Velasquez. Maybe they're they're wanting to maybe bring him back. I think he would like to come back, you know. And then somebody like him, you know, once Skeens is up here or somebody else uh, takes over, then he can move to the bullpen. So so I, I I worry. I don't like the idea of going into a season where they're looking to contend and we're relying on a bunch of kids who have never pitched at this level. Um, That's not going to, that's not going to work. And I, and I know Ben Charrington said today that he wants at least 10 starting pitchers that he has confidence in that can pitch at this level. And right now we don't have that. So they are definitely going to have to um, see what they can do, whether, it's going to be forking over some money or prospects or whatever, because we've got to have, we, we've got to solidify that, that starting rotation. And, and that's nothing against Jones or Priester or, or anybody else, but we need some uh, players um, that have some, some experience and, um, and that's going to help the kids along the way too.
1: Yeah, I like thinking big, but Montgomery is definitely signing, Blake Snell's, They would go that route based on conversations I've had with people who know more than me, subject to calling offer who has playoff experience and is a and uh, Clay Kershaw, can't say that's happening, but in Pittsburgh. But, uh what is the top priority this offseason? Is going to finding a position players for like figuring out those spots or at least supplementing those spots? Uh, like, Ed, what do you think is their top priority?
0: I think starting pitching should be their top priority. It's a lot easier, in my opinion, it's a lot easier to figure out your position players throughout the year than it is your starters. I mean, there's a lot less on the line, in my opinion, by doing it that way.
1: Definitely, I mean, I guess that was kind of a bringer. (laughs) You know, having um, that they do need to address that. Um, but so let's pivot to something different, and I'll, I'll go ahead and toss this to Graves. The future at catcher Andy Rodriguez has started to show up as of late. He ha- had a couple of multi games. The team reportedly told Henry Davis to show up to spring training ready to catch. How do you see that playing? Move like one of them at first base, catching Prince Rock, third catcher, like a way to supplement that.
2: Yeah, I I um I was a little caught off guard by by the comments today that uh, you know that uh, not that 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 they basically told Henry Davis you know. Forget about playing right field. You're going to be a catcher. You're going to show up and be our catcher. And and um, you know, I, I I like the idea of, of of how they handled it this year. I I know everybody was was eager to get Henry behind the plate, but I liked giving Andy the opportunity to have you know his time here without Henry looking over his shoulder. You know, he got to concentrate on on catching. That was his job. And he did it very well. He's, he's progressed nicely. He still has some work to do, um, you know, moving side to side and and keeping balls from from getting away from him, um, and 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 make sure he doesn't uh, make a, a Oviedo uh, laugh. <laughs> apparently he uh we gotta he's gotta work on uh, uh knowing his pictures a little bit yeah. better but as far as far as 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 henry i think they're uh you know he's going to take this entire off season. he's going to work on catching what that means for delay um you know i i, I was pretty sure that he was going to be coming back. So, um I'm not sure how that's going to work out, but then it also makes me think too, okay, well we need to be looking for a, a right fielder um in in the off season because I kind of had uh, Henry Davis penciled in as right fielder um and you know or center fielder if they want to move Sawinski back to right field, but um uh, I think I think they've handled this really well and um and they're gonna get uh, reintroduce Henry uh, um, to catching in the off season, and he'll uh, show up ready to ready to play.
1: Looking for a healthy snack that is high in protein and actually tastes good? Check out Built Bars and Built Puffs with new flavors dropping all the time. These bars are packed with protein while tasting like chocolate bars. Check out the newest flavor in the Built family: Cookies and Cream Chunk Puff. It is my new favorite one and is so addicting. Order on built.com and use code Janelle10 for 10% off. That's J E N E L L E, the number 10, for 10% off your next built order today.
2: And I think it's fair to say everybody needs to take a step forward. Um, I think uh, Henry does. You know, what? One one thing about Henry, he's been playing injured this year same with Jared Triolo, you know, earlier in the year, he had the, the Hammett bone surgery. Um, and, and, uh, hopefully, you know, he missed, I think five, five weeks, um, early in the season. So that to have him back and to show in his power, I think he continues to take a step forward. Um, and, and, um, really at, at, at second base, somebody needs to step up and, and, and grab that position. Um, and, um, you know and and like i said maybe maybe that uh entails trading some players or 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 whatever but um we, second second base is is a concern for me um the the starting starting rotation i mean you you uh you can't you can't ignore that i mean K- keller's taken some huge steps oviedo we've seen Quinn, um you know I I, I think it's going to – everybody needs to go into the offseason with a plan, and they need to to execute that plan and come to spring training ready to uh, to fight for a job.
1: Ed, what are your takeaways from the 2023 season as this team heads into what will hopefully be a very busy and eventful offseason?
0: I guess my biggest takeaway is – the growth that the team had this year—you had mentioned—what did you say it was a 15-game improvement from last year, or something along those lines? 14. 14. So, I mean, for me, that's you know that's a huge improvement. You're you're still playing a bunch of professional teams. Um, it was proved for me here. As far as stars go, when they were healthy, I, th- I still think that hitting has a lot of growth that it needs. But, and I guess another thing is, you know, the young kids that came up and I want to say definitely didn't overperform, but a lot of them didn't play like straight rookies this entire time either. There, there was a lot of good good games by the younger kids that came up.
1: All right. Graves, what were your takeaways from this season? Things that you, you think that.
2: But I think Ed's exactly right. I mean, just the experience that the kids gained, um, is just priceless. You know, it, uh they were all pretty much familiar with each other, you know, playing, playing um, together in, in the minor leagues. So at least, uh, you know, they were, so the, the chemistry and the gel was, was already there. So, and I think having one another really um, helped the situation here in Pittsburgh, but just the, the experience um, and, you know, we, we we sometimes get get caught up in the idea that you know a player's going to come up here and they're just going to be lights out. It's going to be so easy for them, you know, because we've heard their names and they've done so well. Major League Baseball is is a different is a different beast, and it takes that time to adjust. And um, I, I I've been very pleased with the progress that that we've seen. You know, things started out a little slowly. But the way we finish the season, I think uh, it's a credit to the players, it's a credit to the coaching staff, and heading into next year gives me a lot of hope that uh, from beginning to end, we're not going to have that that big lull in the middle, but from beginning to end, we're going to have some really exciting baseball in Pittsburgh.
1: Definitely hope so. Team won 18 of their last 31 games to end the season. Nice, strong finish of the year as they head into a hopefully productive offseason, but that wraps it up for all of us here at the 412 Double Play Podcast. Thank you, of course, to our guest. You can find Graves on X at KG underscore 55VFTG. Five five find me at 412 Double Play, Ed at Ed underscore Wassel. Continue listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever else podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe so you get notified when we drop new episodes. We'll still be weekly this offseason and have our crossover with Josh at Bridge to October next week. Summarize a season and give some predictions for this off season. Looking forward to that. And finally, I just want to thank all of our listeners and guests we've had this year. When we started our podcast at the start of the 2022 season, we were just having fun with it. Didn't know what we were doing. For the most part, still don't. Just two best friends talking Bucks baseball, but... The people we've met and whom we've had the opportunity to talk and interact with as a result of doing this has been an incredible experience. I think I speak for both myself and my co-host in saying that we're so grateful to be able to talk about something that we're so passionate about with others who share the same affinity, same passion, and to have people who listen in, just very appreciative to all of you. Thank you. So much from all of us here at the 412 Double Play Podcast. Thank you for joining us and let's go, Bucks. Let's go, Bucks.